0: There was a defining moment in Australian litigation just a few weeks ago, and I'm sure a lot of you are already aware of it. A group of teenagers sued the Federal Minister for the Environment.
1: That's right. They claimed you'd failed to protect young people from the climate change impacts of a coal mine project. Will, I was honestly quite shocked when this happened, because I would have expected the case to be brought against the mine. Instead, it was brought against the government itself.
0: It was only really recently that climate change was first dealt with by the courts, but even then it was done with as a secondary issue behind the immediate environmental impacts of large-scale infrastructure or mining projects. Since Australia's ratification of the Paris Agreement in November of 2016, climate litigation has steadily escalated. What's more, litigants have started to focus their claims against financial institutions and government, as well as major extractive companies and builders. Climate litigation is a new area of law, but it's evolving rapidly. And that's why Emma and I thought that it would be a good idea to make an episode dedicated to this topic.
1: We're going to take a deeper dive into this case. And we're also going to look at another class action that a 23 year old bought against a superannuation company.
0: So both of the cases we're looking at today are class actions which are essentially court proceedings brought on behalf of a larger group of people who've suffered a similar loss in a similar circumstance. This means that a dispute involving a potentially large number of people can be resolved, and justice sought, through a single case, and this reduces the time, cost, and risk involved for the group, as well as for the courts.
1: This is what happened earlier this month. Eight young people, organisers for the School Strike for Climate Australia, brought a class action against the Minister for the Environment. This was to protect young people from the harmful climate change impacts of the Vickery coal mine extension project. And I keep asking myself, what's so special about this case?
0: It is true that these students applied for an injunction to halt the project and were ultimately unsuccessful in doing so. However, the presiding judge concluded that the students had successfully established that the Minister for the Environment has a duty to take reasonable care and to avoid causing personal injury to all Australian children when granting a project's approval. This is a huge recognition. It essentially asserts that when the federal government makes an environmental assessment or determination, that determination must be made while considering a duty of care to avoid causing injury to young Australians.
1: And what kind of injury is that?
0: Well, that's the injuries that will be stemming from climate change, particularly the bushfires like the ones that we saw last summer but the court also considered the reasonably foreseeable harm from heat waves, sea level rise and coastal flooding, ecosystem shifts, and extreme weather. They also considered a range of flow-on effects, including declining mental health in exposed communities, displacement, and social disruption.
1: Would you say this case is more a symbolic win than a substantial victory for the class action?
0: For sure. Legal commentators are observing that now that this duty of care has been established in one context – there may well be a crack in the armour, and that the door is opening to claim damages for the impacts of climate change. Not just in these circumstances, but from other government agencies and even companies. Young people can literally make a claim against their government to protect them from climate change.
1: In this next case from a few years ago, 23-year-old Mark McVeigh filed a claim against REST Super. He alleged that the trustee violated the Corporations Act by failing to provide information on the business and financial risks associated with climate change. Later in 2018, the case was amended to allege Rest trustee failed to act with care, skill and diligence when investing for Mark and that the trustee failed to act in his best interests.
0: Wait. How were they failing to do that?
1: The trustee failed by not properly considering the risks climate change poses to the fund's investments in breach of the superannuation industry brackets Supervision Act 1993. What's particularly interesting about this case is that Mark did not make any claim for financial loss.
0: So if Mark wasn't after any money... What was this case all about then?
1: That's what's so interesting, Will. The class only sought a declaration from the court that REST trustee had breached their duties to members.
0: I suppose it's hard to be an industry super fund, quote, run only to benefit members, when your long-term strategy fails to consider these risks.
1: Exactly. Mark won't be able to access his superannuation investment until 2055 at the earliest. Long-term planning is incredibly important, as we know, especially for a fund which represents retail workers, many of whom are young Australians. For Mark, there was a serious question about what REST was doing to manage and address the risks of climate change. The matter was settled at the end of last year, actually on the morning the trial was set down to commence, if you can believe it. As part of the settlement, REST published a statement stating that, quote, Climate change is a material, direct, and current financial risk to the Superannuation Fund. End quote. It also said that it would publicly disclose the fund's portfolio, conduct due diligence and monitoring of investment and their approach to climate risk, and implement a long-term objective to achieve a net zero carbon footprint by twenty fifty, in line with most Australian states.
0: That's super interesting. But you have to wonder if this commitment will filter itself through to other super funds or even large investors.
1: It's a legal space to watch. The settlement is a groundbreaking recognition of the material financial risk that climate change poses to the economy and society and the role that super funds have in managing it. Although the proceedings were in Australia, this case is likely to be highly influential on how global funds manage climate risk. Like superannuation funds in Australia, pension funds and sovereign wealth funds across the world have fiduciary duties. They must act with care, skill and diligence. They must also act in the best interest of beneficiaries. Superannuation funds have essentially been put on notice by this case, even if it didn't proceed to trial.
0: What this episode shows is that climate class actions have been successfully brought against both government agencies and companies. It isn't just limited to organisations we would more commonly associate as being involved with climate litigation, like mines and councils and that sort of thing.
1: I'm sure you will continue to see many more environmental class actions in the years to come, and I am looking forward to seeing how the law develops in this area. Until then, if you have any questions on this topic or another interesting area of law you would like us to discuss, please reach out to us at mccabecurwood.com.au.
0: Thank you for joining us, everyone.